Hello and welcome to the Full Fact Podcast, where we fight bad information one fact at a time. I'm Alexis Conran, and in this episode, we will be looking at antibody tests and their accuracy levels, some spurious claims about COVID-19 autopsies conducted in Italy, and of course, we're going to be taking a closer look at government daily figures. Now, before that, uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Deputy Editor Claire Milne. Hi, Claire. Hi, Alexis. Now, I think it's important to say that, uh, of course, the, the biggest story these past uh, 10 days has been uh, all around Black Lives Matter. And I think it's important uh, for us to explain that there is a lot that we can talk about with Black Lives Matter. The reason we're not headlining is because there's so much for you guys to look into already. Just tell us a little bit about what you're looking into, and hopefully we'll be able to to do a whole episode on it next week. Yes, yeah, so we've had a lot of different questions from readers on, on lots of different topics. One of the key things that people have been asking us about is the origins of photographs. So we've been doing a lot of verifying of those photographs so far. Yes, and of course, at full fact, nothing goes out unless it's been properly and thoroughly fact-checked. Let's kick off with some other things that you have been looking into. Some people are putting posts together and on Facebook, they're trying to prove the idea that the furloughing cost is nothing compared to some other costs. We're hearing a lot, furloughing is so expensive, it can only really last up until October because it's costing the government so much money. But these posts are going out and saying, well, actually, if you put it next to, for example, bailing out the banks, that's 500 billion, cost of renewing Trident, 200 billion, NHS so far, 106 billion, tax avoidance, Avoidance and evasion all combined, people not paying their fair share of tax, 70 billion. But they're saying that actually the government furlough scheme is going to cost 69 billion in total until October, therefore promoting the narrative that actually it's not that much money and the government can afford to pay for it. You've looked at the figures. What have you found? First of all, the figure for the cost of the furlough, that's correct, according to estimates from the, the Office for Budget Responsibility. Not all of the other figures it's comparing it to. Uh, so the banks, um, that kind of thing, are correct. Um, and some of them need a bit more context uh, in order to, to understand them um, fully. 500 billion you mentioned that's that's used as, as the cost of bailing out the banks. That's not actually the amount of money that was spent. It was possibly referring to the amount of money that was set aside initially for the, for right. the bank rescue package in 2008. But actually what was spent bailing out the banks was 137 billion. So a, a lot less than that 500 billion figure in the post. The figure for the, the cost of Trident is actually an estimate um, that seems to come from the campaign for, for nuclear disarmament. And that looks at the lifetime cost of Trident right up until the, the 2040s. The, the government's estimate for how much it's going to cost, which it made in 2016, was, was a lot lower, around £41 billion. And um, what the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament did was, was they took this figure and they added to it things like the costs of, of decommissioning and lots of other additional costs to work out how much um, it would be altogether. So, so there's that context that you need to know about that figure. If we look at the cost for HS2, it is estimated that HS2 will cost £106 billion when completed. And that number has been revised a lot, which could be what they're referring to when they say so far, that's what the figure is. Um, it shouldn't be understood to mean that that's how much has been spent at the moment. So uh, it's estimated that around £7.6 billion of that money has actually been spent so far. So uh, again, quite a different figure to the one used in the post. 
And when we come to the tax dodged figure, the 70 billion that the Post talks about, there are figures that we can look at from um, HMRC, which talk about the tax gap. That's the difference between the tax it should have been paid in, the HMRC calculates, and what it actually receives. It estimated in 2017-18 that that was around £35 billion, and £5 billion of that was attributed to tax evasion and another £1.8 billion to tax avoidance. Now, we've, we've looked into this whole issue of calculating tax uh, before and found it's really hard to say what the true figure is with confidence. There are other estimates out there, uh, including one of £70 billion, which was suggested by um, Richard Murphy on his, his blog, Tax Research UK, back in 2010. So it's possible that's what the Post is referring to. Uh, but it is very difficult to estimate how much that tax gap is. So in a sense, uh, the £69 billion in total is correct, but the comparisons are a little bit out of context on that one. Exactly. Moving on to the next issue you guys have been looking into, people have been pointing out a discrepancy in the reporting of the death figures. On the 1st of June, Matt Hancock said at the Daily Briefing that there had been 111 deaths since the day before. But people have since noticed that the official report on the total number of COVID deaths actually rose by 556 between the 31st of May and the 1st of June. So which is it? So strange one in the both are true. The, there were um, 111 new deaths announced um, at the daily briefing on, on the 1st of June, um, and that figure was, was correct. But it's also true that the total deaths figure actually rose by 556 over the same period. And that is because an extra 445 deaths, which happened sometime in, in late April and, and throughout May, were added onto that total deaths figure. Thank you, Claire. Now, for our main story, we're going to talk about early lockdowns. I'm joined by Abbas Banjwani. He's a fact checker here at Full Fact. Abbas, we heard Professor Neil Ferguson give evidence to the Common Science and Technology Committee this week. And he mentioned that if we had locked down a week earlier, the death toll would have been reduced by at least half. And then there is this problem you found in the Financial Times – they produced a graph that seemed to show a very clear relationship between locking down early and reducing excess deaths. Now, you looked into this and found that the graph isn't quite right. What's actually going on here? First, let me just say that I think that it's common sense to say that all other things being equal, locking down earlier would reduce the excess deaths. You have a disease which is spread from person to person so if you reduce the chance that you bump into someone else you will reduce the spread but I think we need to temper that sort of understanding and claims that this was the strongest reason for the disease spreading in certain countries compared to others which is the suggestion the Financial Times made so as you said they had this graph which quite clearly showed a relationship between the number of infections they estimated there were in each country on lockdown day and the total number of excess deaths in each country so far adjusted for population. There are a few sort of issues with this. I would first say that we're still in the middle of this pandemic. We don't know what the total excess deaths are going to be. So countries that appear to have, yes, locked down earlier and got the excess deaths to a fairly small level at the moment might not see that in situation in a a month's time the excess deaths might continue to increase 
the second thing is, what do we really mean when we say lockdown? So this graph basically said that when a country issued national guidelines to lockdown, that is when it took its measure of how many infections were there on that day. But if you start to interrogate that, maybe the pattern isn't as clear. So, for example, Italy sits on the on the trend line pretty pretty perfectly based on when it said that there should be a kind of national lockdown, the infections on that day. But it was locking down regionally way before that in Lombardy and those northern regions. And so it's difficult to really kind of just put, as they did, 20 countries on a graph and say, here's the trend and that's the strongest uh, determinant factor. The final thing I would say is that correlation isn't causation. Um, the fact that there's a strong correlation doesn't mean that lockdown early, locking down early caused the relatively small level of excess deaths. Lockdowns associated with a bunch of other policy measures. Countries that locked down earlier would have also been likely to have shut down uh, gatherings earlier, sporting events, uh, recommend social distancing, things which aren't lockdown lockdown is telling people to stay at home so there are so many factors at play here it's really really difficult to say with certainty that yes these countries that locked down early did it well and those countries that locked down late did it badly the picture's not that simple now abbas i know that you've been looking at figures from the government as well i have noticed that for the last uh, 20 or so days now the number of uh, people tested daily in those daily figures has been unavailable. I know that on the government website, they have a reasoning for this. I'll be honest, I read it and my head exploded. I don't understand why we are not getting the amount of people tested. Have you understood why? We have sort of government's response, which says basically there's a problem with counting the number of people who are tested in private labs. As for why that is a problem we we don't really know i can hypothesize i suppose but we don't know for certain so it could be for a range of range of reasons if you have i suppose uh, a sample going off to two separate private labs and there's a kind of you know communication breakdown you don't know how many people have been tested it could be the case that with repetitive testing there's kind of routine testing now for certain health workers might be the case that Okay, well, that person has already been tested, but maybe a week ago, and therefore they shouldn't be counted again when they're tested a week later, but they have been, or there's no way of distinguishing that at the moment. So there's there's a number of reasons why it could be happening, but we don't know for certain. And as you said, I mean, we we asked the Department for Health um, 10 days ago, and they said we will have this up as soon as possible. And 10 days later, it's still not there. So there does seem to be an issue with that. Thank you, Abbas. And that uh, leads us neatly into one of our first questions that we've had on our Ask Full Fact. Remember, if you have a question you want us to answer, just record it on your phone and email it to us, podcast at fullfact.org, and we'll play it out and uh, and answer it for you. So people have been asking if the new antibody tests, these are tests to find out whether you have had COVID-19, are 100% accurate. And these come off uh, claims from ITV News, Mail Online, The Telegraph have all published that the the new antibody tests are 100% accurate. You've looked into this. What have you found? Yes, so we looked at uh, an evaluation of a number of different antibody tests that was done by Public Health England to see what exactly it actually found about these tests. So this was talking about specifically these headlines were all about the uh, test produced by Swiss pharmaceutical company Roche. Basically, what we found was that these claims that it was 100% accurate 
weren't quite correct. So there are two different measures that Public Health England was, was looking at when it was evaluating these tests um, to see whether they could pick up antibodies if, you, if you'd had COVID-19. So it looked at how accurate the test was in identifying negative samples where there were no antibodies and positive samples where there were antibodies. And that's known as the specificity and sensitivity. So specificity is how good it is at identifying those negative samples and sensitivity is how good it is at identifying those positive samples. Now, the Public Health England evaluation did find that it had 100% accuracy when looking at specificity. So that's the negative samples. But when it was looking at sensitivity, it was actually 83.9% accurate. So there were 16% uh, of, of samples that it didn't correctly identify as positive. Uh, it didn't correctly identify the presence of the antibodies there. So, Claire, what, what we're saying in layman's terms is that these antibody tests uh, will never make the mistake in telling you that you have had COVID-19. Therefore, you have antibody, antibodies in your blood and you could be immune, possibly. We don't know that yet. They'll never make that mistake, but they could make the mistake in telling you that you don't have antibodies, whereas in fact you do have antibodies. Yes, exactly. That's what this public health England evaluation is telling us. Thank you, Claire. Uh, now, Abbas, I've got a strange one for you. Uh, we're back to Facebook. And this is a post that's been shared quite a few times. Uh, and we have been asked about it. The post seems to be shared by different people, but it seems quite obvious that it's copied and pasted from the same original post. It starts with three words saying, well, 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 people are waking up. Um, it claims that Italy went against WHO uh, instructions um, and performed COVID-19 autopsies. I, I didn't know whether the WHO said that autopsies are forbidden for COVID-19 victims, but the long and the short of it is they say that it's they have discovered in Italy through autopsies that it's not a virus and COVID-19 is a bacterium uh, that's causing deaths. Is there any truth to it whatsoever? There is some truth to it. Obviously, COVID-19 is not a bacteria. It is a virus. Uh, it has been sequenced by many, many labs and it is definitely, definitely a virus. This is an instance of people picking up on what is a fairly unusual representation of the disease and saying that because it's not usual, there must be some conspiracy. So some people who have severe COVID-19 do experience problems with blood clots. Now, that doesn't mean that they have something else. It means that they have severe COVID-19. They could have something else. They could have a bacterial infection, which can be incredibly serious if you've already got COVID-19. And in which case, you might uh, it might be sensible to treat uh, that illness with antibiotics. But that doesn't mean that COVID-19 is caused by a bacteria. It just means that you have a bacteria as well. In terms of the point about the autopsies, Again, this kind of feeds into the idea that, oh, what are they not telling us? Now, the World Health Organization didn't say that people shouldn't perform autopsies on suspected COVID-19 cases. They said quite sensibly that you should take extra precaution. In fact, it was the Italian authorities which um, have issued guidance saying in clear cases of COVID-19, don't do autopsies, although I'm, we're not certain if that is still in force. Um, so this is kind of the thing the case of which something which is accepted as completely rational and explainable and sensible 
has been seized upon by people who want to believe that there is a conspiracy and said, oh, look at this conspiracy. This, this isn't a virus at all. It, it, it's a bacteria that causes uh, these issues with blood thickening and pneumonia. And that's just not the case. And it also says Italy have demanded Bill Gates and the WHO be held accountable for crimes against humanity. Where's that come from? Yes, there was a there was an article you might have remembered a few months ago in the Express saying that Germany has asked for reparations from China. And when you looked into it, Germany was just one German newspaper. So in this case, Italy is one Italian politician who was kicked out of her party. Thank you, Abbas. Thank you, Claire. And thank you for listening to the Full Fact podcast. You can find previous episodes and any future episodes on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you can think of now. Be sure to subscribe, uh, and the latest episode will be ready on your device every Friday morning. And do leave us a review because every little bit helps. That's it for this week. Listener.